of all of college basketball. All right, welcome in to this Monday edition of the program. Sorry for the late start, a little technical problems here at the Big X today, but glad to be with you. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Plenty to get to today. Uh, lots of headlines coming out of the weekend. A couple guests going to join us today, so stay with us for that. All coming up here in this edition of the program. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one. We'll take a look at a lot of things coming out of this weekend. We'll start with Caleb Love. That's probably the number one question I get right now is, what's Indiana going to do with its final available scholarship? Is there any target from the transfer portal? Perhaps Caleb Love is that guy. We don't know. There hasn't been much said since his decommitment from Michigan last week, but we'll talk about that here in the opening segment. Also, Trace Jackson Davis. More good news for him coming out of Chicago. He had another workout over the weekend with some NBA teams. And, uh, boy, he has improved his stock, which is exciting to see for him with the draft coming up next month. We'll also take a look at IU softball, their historic season. I think their best season I read in 30 or so years <clears throat> Excuse me. came to an end over the weekend. We'll recap that. Also a look at IU baseball as they get ready for the Big Ten tournament, which is coming up this week. The IU baseball program was right in there till the very end with an opportunity, I thought maybe to sneak out the Big Ten conference championship, but it didn't work out that way in the regular season. We'll see what they can do in the conference tournament and a lot of other headlines coming up today as well. Later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us. With Zach, we'll talk about Caleb Love. We'll talk about this open scholarship that Indiana has for next year and other IU basketball topics as well. Also, IU got a big football commitment over the weekend, a quarterback that we'll mention coming up a little bit later today. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. Don't forget that number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and, of course, send me a text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Let's get into some of the headlines. And, and before we do that, let me remind you, big week of local sports coming up. Wednesday night, Saturday afternoon, and Monday afternoon, sectional baseball. We'll be at the 4A New Albany Baseball sectional this week. Going to be a good one. Floyd Central is my favorite on paper slightly. I could see three or four different teams winning the 4A sectional at New Albany. Should be good weather, it looks like. Should be a great crowd. There's not a ton of seating at the New Albany situation, so you want to get there early. But it should be packed and fun. 
and interesting to see who comes out on top. Of course, what's better? A week from today, Memorial Day baseball. Always a tradition here on the Big X. And we've had a lot of local teams use that Memorial Day sectional championship game to get ready for a big postseason run. Who will it be this year? Will we have a local team this year make a run deep in the tournament? I mentioned Floyd, I think, is the slight favorite in 4A to win the sectional. I don't know about a big postseason run by the Highlanders, but it does seem like Providence is really getting things rolling. Could they, could they be set for uh, potentially a run in Class 2A coming up here over the next month or so? That could be, could be fun to watch and see how that plays out. Let's get into some headlines for today. First and foremost, Caleb Love. A lot of people say, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people say, what is the situation on Caleb Love? Can Indiana get him? Obviously, he decommitted from uh, Michigan last week after finding out that uh, the admissions office simply wasn't going to let him in. Michigan, it appears, uh, seems to have really tight regulations on accepting transfer courses. They've had issues now the last two years taking players out of the transfer portal, which is obviously not a good look for them in this new world of college transfer portal and NIL and just a different look of recruiting. But Caleb Love, there has not been a lot said about him. There's not been a lot of interviews. His father was someone that was fairly vocal that uh, some of the IU media would talk to when he was uh, considering Indiana after announcing his departure from North Carolina. But there's not really been a lot of in-depth stuff. I did see last week Adam Zagoria, I think it was Thursday or Friday, he said schools to keep an eye on for Caleb Love now, Missouri, which is the home state for Caleb Love. He's a St. Louis kid. And Indiana, who was very involved with Caleb back in his high school days when he initially committed to North Carolina. And, of course, Indiana just last month was very involved with him before ultimately he picked Michigan. So uh, could Caleb Love be the final piece to the IU roster for next season? Could he be a late get, another, I think, big get for Mike Woodson? Uh, A lot of fans hoping that's the case, but there has not been any real detail come out on Caleb Love, but definitely I think we would find out more this week. Uh, Definitely probably the name to pay attention to given the fact that entering the portal has closed. There are still a number of players that are in the portal looking to make a decision, but most of the guys, most is the key word, that are the high-level guys that are going to play at a conference like the Big Ten Conference, the ACC, the SEC, most of those guys have already made a decision. Now the grad transfer portal, I believe it's still open. I saw yesterday over the weekend a grad player from Rutgers, I can't remember the name, entered the portal. Uh, So that stuff is still going on. And just in this crazy, as I always call it, crazy new world of recruiting with late decommitments and just different things that come up, you just never know. But it does seem like Indiana's really close to finalizing its roster for next season. And I think this week will tell us something on Caleb Love and what his future, his decision could look like. It does sound like, just based on rumblings, that he would not have any problem getting into most schools. It seems to be more of maybe a Michigan problem with some of their requirements on transferring courses from other universities. I know a lot of people were quick to say, oh, North Carolina, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, What are they teaching there? What are their classes like? I don't gather that it's that. I gather that it's more on the Michigan side of being ultra strict when it comes to requirements from transfer schools. Also, another note about the IU roster for next season, 
incoming freshman Ja'Kai Newton from down in Georgia. He didn't have much of a senior year, so we didn't get to really follow him high school basketball-wise because he had a meniscus injury uh, that forced him to miss so much of his final year of high school basketball. But he has been fully cleared for basketball activities, according to multiple reports out there. Uh, This was announced over the weekend. So big for him because as a freshman, he, Gabe Cups, and of course now McKenzie and Baco are going to come into campus over the next few weeks and get the opportunity not just to do a lot of basketball work uh, and individual and teamwork and things that happen in the summer, but obviously the training and so much of getting a freshman uh, body ready for the Big Ten Conference. We've seen a lot of those transformations over the years. So the fact that Newton is healthy, I think, gives him the opportunity to best situate himself, maybe, to play a role on the team for next season. So the guard spot is a place where Indiana needs some help, and it sounds like that uh, Newton is going to be healthy and able to take advantage of this full offseason. Also, Trace Jackson Davis, we know the big week he had at the NBA Draft Combine. Really good to see Uh, Some of the positives out there for him Uh, got to play again over the weekend at the Excel Sports Pro Day in Chicago, played in front of a number of NBA executives. And again, good reports. Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN and Draft Express, he posted some footage of TJD up in Chicago and uh, said the first team All-American showed off his vertical pop and improving shooting stroke in front of quite a few NBA executives in Chicago. So really good stuff. It continues for Trace Jackson Davis. He definitely is on the rise. He definitely is one of the centers, one of the big men uh, in the combine that was most uh, obviously most uh, uh, successful. I think in Chicago, he didn't even play in the five-on-five games. But I do think it's going to be really interesting to see if between that success and buzz and whatever else he's able to do in front of NBA uh, scouts and and those that make those decisions, the personnel folks, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how high he works himself up. He's definitely a second rounder. Can he get late in the first round? That seems possible. Can he make a jump even higher than that? That is kind of, I think, what we're all waiting to see. Is he going to be late first round, second round, or could he even rise higher in the, uh, or lower, maybe you say, in the NBA draft? Also, IU softball, historic season for them. They made the NCAA tournament and had their best season, really, in about 30 years of IU softball. They lost 7-3 to top seed and fourth-ranked Tennessee in the NCAA regional final down at uh, Sherry Parker Lee Stadium in Knoxville. So Tennessee, the host team, IU fell behind 2-0 in the first inning, had some opportunities with bases loaded in the second and third innings, but could not get a run across the plate. Then Tennessee kind of opened up the game the bottom of the fifth inning. They had five runs on five hits to jump out to a 7-0 advantage. And again, the final score ended with a 7-3 loss for the Hoosiers. But a great run. You know, baseball has always been fairly solid at Indiana. Yes, there have been some up years and some mediocre years recently, but great to see softball have a really big spring for the Hoosiers. Speaking of baseball, the Hoosiers lost the series at Michigan State, uh, but and they had a, an outside chance going into the weekend. They needed to win the series, and they needed a few other things to happen, but they had an outside chance to win the Big Ten Conference, the regular season conference. They did not. Uh, Maryland will take that honor, but Indiana will enter this week's Big Ten Tournament as a number two seed 
uh, in conference play. So uh, it's going to be fun this week to follow Indiana and uh, see what they can get done in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, let's see, Indiana opens up play with Illinois, I believe it is, coming up tomorrow in a 2 p.m. afternoon game. Of course, it's a double elimination format. I think it's modified double elimination format in the Big Ten Conference Tournament that takes place at the Charles Swab Field out in Omaha, which, of course, Omaha, Nebraska, also the site of the College World Series. That is where every program, including Indiana, has their site set at this time of year as we start to talk about conference tournaments and then regionals and then super regionals. Uh, boy, it's a fun time to watch some of this college baseball, and it really gets going here tomorrow with uh, with the conference tournament, the Big Ten tournament. Also, Indiana with a quarterback commitment over the weekend. He is a member of the 2024 class. His name is Timothy Carpenter. Uh, he had committed to the Hoosiers over the weekend, 6'4", 200-pound standout. He is from Dayton, Ohio, and plays high school football at Trotwood Madison High School. He is the fourth commit in the 2024 class. Guys that are going to be seniors for next season for Coach Allen and his staff. Carpenter picked Indiana over a lot of mid-majors, Akron, Arkansas State, Central Michigan, Kent State, Marshall, Miami of Ohio, uh, and the list goes on. But Indiana, definitely the uh, biggest school to recruit him and offer him a scholarship offer. So we'll see how he pans out. Carpenter is the number 23rd best prospect in the state of Ohio and the number 43rd best quarterback in the country, according to the latest 247 sports composite rankings. So a IU quarterback uh, commit, but again, doesn't seem like somebody that is in the very top of his class, uh, recruited by mid-major level schools. We'll see how he pans out when he gets to Indiana. A couple other off-the-wall notes as we close out this opening segment. I saw a video over the weekend, I believe it was from Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, of a fan in the stands in the ear of an official that was unhappy with a call or whatever the situation was. That uh, yelling and screaming uh, eventually saw the fan make his way out onto the court, then pull the official down, punch the official, get in a wrestling match with him. Just not what you want to see at some of this travel basketball, the grassroots stuff. And as a guy that has been involved in some of that stuff for a number of years, boy, I tell you what, the environment out here in these last few springs and summers is different. Fans are crazy. Parents have taken some of their complaints and their criticisms of officials to a whole nother level. And unfortunately, as we get into the spring, of course, a lot of basketball ahead in the summer. You've got all the high school summer league stuff. You've got tons of AAU and grassroots club ball this summer all the way through July, really. Uh, these videos, these things are popping up all too often on social media. And I'm sure that a small part of it is everybody's filming nowadays, especially a game. Everybody has a highlight person there. Everybody's making videos. So anything that goes wrong is caught on camera, basically. And so I'm sure that that's a small part of it. But I feel like this spring uh, on social media, videos that have been sent to me from friends in the basketball industry, uh, just amazing the number of fights and uh, arguments and embarrassing moments that folks have had this spring and summer. I know that in the past we've, we've had things pop up in Louisville, nothing recently that I at least has reached this kind of level, but it's the stuff you hope goes away. I don't know that there's any chance that it does, 
but just so disappointing to see this kind of stuff around young folks and basketball and a sport that we all love here. Uh, but it's becoming a real problem. It's becoming something that grows and grows, and you, you see more of this stuff, it seems, each and every year. Let's hope that it slows down. Also, just uh, kind of a surprise, Louisville baseball coach Dan McDonald, after the team's final game of the season, I know Louisville baseball had a very disappointing year, uh, did not make the ACC tournament for the first time in Coach McDonald's tenure. Obviously, no chance at an NCAA regional or super regional this year. Uh, Coach McDonald questioning the commitment, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it seemed to me questioning the commitment of the overall program and the school as far as facilities and what the future looks like. Rick Bozich had a heck of a story on WDRB with some really pointed quotes from McDonald. Makes you wonder, is he a candidate for that open, open Alabama job? Will he be back at Louisville next season? But definitely he made a real point to call out some things about Louisville's baseball facilities. I don't think he's talking as much about Papa John's Cardinal Stadium as he probably is some of the practice facilities and the indoor hitting facilities maybe that are falling behind some of the other ACC and other top baseball programs. But McDonald has always been somebody from a distance that I've really watched and paid attention to. He's joined our program a few times because he's coached so many Southern Indiana guys over the years that you follow those guys and kind of get to know the program that they play for. Of course, Tucker Biven is there now. He had a good season as a pitcher for Louisville, uh, came in early on with relief opportunities, and then the latter few month or month and a half of the season got a handful of starting opportunities for Louisville baseball. So a pretty bright year for him. I know now that his season is over, he's headed to play the very exclusive Cape Cod League up in Massachusetts. He's got a chance to play with the Falmouth uh, Massachusetts team this summer, which is a great opportunity to play in front of so many uh, major league scouts and kind of increase those opportunities. But definitely some interesting comments from Dan McDonald and uh, L baseball. Interesting to see what happens with him in the offseason, if he stays put or if he is a candidate for the open Alabama job. We'll head to a commercial break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. And for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday edition of the program. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450 is the number. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, always with us Mondays on the show. Zach, right now with McKenzie and Baco now officially in the fold for the Hoosiers, everybody wants to know what will Mike Woodson and the uh, coaches do with this final scholarship, and could Caleb Love, who decommitted after not being able to get into Michigan last week, could he be an option again for Indiana? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, to your first question, the reason people ask about Caleb Love and, and, and maybe a couple other players, Zion pulling the, uh, the the player from out west, is it really does feel like that 
that's kind of the last piece, whether Indiana wants a, a maybe a sort of hybrid, you know, one-two kind of guard, or Indiana wants, um, you know, some maybe sees Trey Galloway as, as being capable of handling a starting role, and Indiana wants to sort of reinforce the backcourt behind him. One way or the other, it, it does feel like, Finally, after obviously a, a lot of work this offseason, Indiana's kind of narrowed down its list of needs to a, a smaller, um, you know, or more confined, more sort of targeted, um, you know, kind of position remaining, if you want to say. I think with regard to Love specifically, um, I don't, I have not heard anything firm. I would be surprised if Indiana wasn't doing due diligence, although obviously Indiana had already kind of gone through um, some of the, the early stages of the recruiting process with Caleb Love the last time. And, and for, you know, whatever reasons, the connection kind of wasn't made there. And it felt like both parties were fine, felt it was, it was fine to just kind of move, go their separate ways before Love started really engaging in stuff like visits and in homes and things like that. So, you know, listen, necessity can, can make uh unexpected bedfellows. I'm not ruling out the idea of IU and Caleb Love. I think there are some ways that if you look at his profile, it would make sense. I think there are some ways if you look at his profile, you know, both sides would probably have to do some adjusting of of sort of the expectations of the role he would fill. Um, But I have not heard anything firm uh, with regard to to Indiana kind of diving in on Caleb Love. And and I suspect, you know, we, in general, it feels like we're in a, a bit of a lull in the transfer portal cycle, and I think the reason for that is is maybe, you know, programs like Indiana um, keeping their powder dry a little bit. We're, we're in the period now where, you know, we're about to come out the other side of the combine, or we are the other side of the combine, you know, and, and it's, it's still May 31st that, that under uh, undergraduate class, or I guess you say undergraduate, players who still have eligibility remaining, whether they're undergraduates or they're graduate transfers, um, who are in the draft right now can elect to return. And I think maybe, especially because a lot of schools like Indiana, a lot of programs like Indiana that came into this offseason knowing that the, they were going to have to really sort of rebuild through the portal, um, have done what Indiana's done, which has filled a lot of their needs, ticked a lot of those boxes. I think everybody right now is maybe sort of slowing down a little bit, just saying we don't need to, you know, unless there's an obvious fit, unless there's someone that we think that's, that's exactly the right, you know, pick up for us, let's go get them. Um, there's no need to sort of rush when you know that there's probably going to be one more, not enormous, but meaningful wave of talent sort of sweeping its way into, um, sweeping its way into the field here in the not very distant future. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, our guest, talking about the IU roster for next season. Things are close. Obviously, one scholarship can mean a lot, depending on who were to come in and, and fill that uh, void, that uh, open scholarship. But now that we're so close to seeing this Indiana roster, we think finalized for next year, what's your initial reaction to how competitive this team could be? No, there are still so many other question marks across the conference, and it just kind of takes a little time to let everything digest and see who is left and who has landed where. But where could Indiana be next season in the conference and in the overall stature of college basketball? I think Indiana, at, at very least, has given itself the tools 
to be competitive in the league again. And, and you know, that I don't know if that sounds like it's damning with faint praise. I think everyone up to and including Mike Woodson and his staff would have been very clear-eyed, you know, maybe six months ago. I mean, I'm thinking as far back as the beginning of last season, even the beginning of last preseason, around basically just sort of saying what, um, you know, where Indiana's roster is going, whatever happens this season, where Indiana's roster is going to be, you know, immediately the other side of it in terms of players who will be out of eligibility, players who, you know, like Trace Jackson Davis, intended, you know, from the very beginning to make last season um, his last season in Bloomington, or a player obviously like Jalen Huchifino, who the staff probably had at least some idea, you know, in the early days of preseason, hey, we may be looking at a guy who could be one and done. We're seeing what, you know, what he's doing when he's actually out there on the floor, and he, he could very well be kind of a one and done player. My point is I don't think it would have it snuck up on Indiana how much this roster was going to have to be overhauled. The one maybe big unexpected piece was getting Xavier Johnson back um, for an extra year. They would not have planned for that until he got injured. And I think that helps significantly. You know, I, I wrote this at the time and I stand by it even, you know, even in, maybe until we see what McKenzie and Baco really can do at the college level and, and maybe – Hindsight proves this his was a bigger addition, but I, I wrote it then and I stand by it now that um, maybe the biggest single roster development of Indiana's offseason was ensuring that Xavier Johnson got that sixth year. Um, but I think that Indiana has it is you know there's there's every chance Indiana's got a more athletic roster than it did a year ago. I think there's a very real chance, and, and I can't sit here with wingspans and and you know plus sizes and things like that to add it up for you. But I think there's a very real chance Indiana's got a longer roster than it did last year, which I think could, uh, you know, as, as we've talked about before, I think might fit some of what Mike Woodson wants to do defensively um, a little bit more than the rosters he's had the last couple of years where he has, you know, obviously had some very, very talented players, but he's also obviously been kind of, you know, building, you know, a hybrid between, what he inherited, players he inherited, and players that he recruited and developed himself. Um, but it's also a roster where there's a lot less proven. You don't have the Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson front court that you can just look at and say, we know what this is. We know what this does every night out. We know what we can rely on. You know, that's, that's the, the rock upon which we can build everything else going forward. There's going to be a lot more that's got to be done in terms of sort of fleshing out roles in terms of developing individual skill sets. And I, I, I would include, um, you know, not just a, a, a player like McKenzie and Baco or Kalel Ware, but also some of the guys you've got coming back. Can Trey Galloway continue to shoot the three at a, a really good percentage, maybe not quite as high as he did last year, but, but certainly, you know, let's say above 38%, but double his volume because he was only taking about two threes a game last season. Can he take three and a half, four threes a game and still hit around 38, 40% of those threes? Can he get even better defensively? And, you know, can Malik renew, who's obviously, I think we saw with some defensive limitations last season, maybe get a little bit quicker, a little bit more athletic himself. Can he expand his offensive game as Indiana maybe starts to, to try and play an offense where everybody needs to be a little bit more interchangeable, things like that. Um, so I don't think it's a complete roster by any means, but I think it is a roster that is built to compete in the Big Ten. 
certainly if it can be fortified with one more impact sort of addition, probably a transfer. I think we can all assume that. Um, I wouldn't declare big ten favorites or anything, but certainly if you looked at Indiana coming out of last season, you would have said there's a lot of work to do here for this to even be a roster that is good enough to get back to the NCAA tournament. I think Indiana's there, and now it's a question of how high they can raise the ceiling in the offseason. Zach, it was reported over the weekend that Ja'Kai Newton, incoming freshman from Georgia, is cleared for all basketball activities. He missed a lot of his senior year with a meniscus injury. Um, I know there's some unknown about this freshman class, specifically Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton, and exactly how much they will contribute or could contribute for next season. I think we all uh, believe Mackenzie Mbako will be an immediate impact player from day one when he arrives on campus for this program. But Ja'Kai Newton for next year, now that he's healthy, he's going to get a chance to go through all the offseason conditioning. And we know the difference in a high school senior body to a Big Ten freshman body. Cliff uh, Marshall has shown us that a number of times here in recent years. But he's healthy, and he's going to have a, a summer of preparation. What what role could he play as a freshman? Is he someone that fans could expect to see some minutes and a meaningful role at least on this team? Or is he unknown as far as what he may be able to do or not do in his freshman campaign? Yeah, I think the injury um... – Forgive me, we're still talking about Newton, right? Because you mentioned Cup Correct. a little bit in there, too. But um, the injury obviously does just sort of throw up. I mean, even if, you know, even if he's cleared, and I think it, it didn't, it seems like he kind of, especially at the back end of his recovery process, as much as it was kind of written about, uh, it seemed like it was, um, he hit all the, the benchmarks, you know, around the same time. And I think it was kind of an injury that frustrated him through the season, but you know, I think once he kind of just got into sort of full-on recovery mode, it, it seemed like the way he talked about it, he was pretty comfortably kind of, you know, going from point A to point B as planned. Um, I think with with Newton in particular, I actually really like Ja'Kai Newton. I think he's a, you know, I, I compared him to Al Durham, but I thought he, I think he's more athletic than Al Durham, and, and I think some people took that in a way I didn't mean for it to. I mean, Al Durham, if you go look at his career, played 100-something games in an Indiana uniform. He finished his career with over 1,000 points, I think over 400 assists, over 300 rebounds. Um, you know, I, I know that, like maybe a number of players, his career is, is probably painted a little bit by, you know, ultimately team results while he was at Indiana. And, of course, Durham also is a player that kind of winds up straddling two different coaching tenures. Um, but... You know, if, if if you took Al Durham and you you just made gave him a little bit more bounce, a quicker first step, maybe a little bit more reach, um, a little bit more sort of defensive solidity, you'd have a really good player on your hands. Um, I also compared him to Durham because I think he's a player that probably, like you know, a, a lot of players, maybe you know, fifty to one twenty-five in the rankings, probably needs a couple years to really grow into the college game. I think he can do a lot of different things. You know, he was a, he, he, it, it struck me how impactful he was on a team full of Division One players. You know, uh, he, had a, he has a teammate who is, I think, a McDonald's All-American going to UConn. Um, he had another teammate who, at, at one time at least, I'm not sure where he wound up, but he was committed to Georgia uh, when Tom Crean was still at Georgia. You know, they had a number of players that, that probably will wind up playing at kind of the mid and low major level. So the point is practices were competitive. You know, minutes were competitive. 
And there were plenty of nights where you'd see sort of in the box score, Ja'Kai Newton's maybe the third leading scorer, but he's got the most assists or he's got the most rebounds. Um, you know, there were nights where he'd knock down, a, knock down a bunch of threes, but there were also nights where, again, maybe he wouldn't score a ton, but you'd see him impacting in a lot of other ways. It's always meaningful, I think, when you, when you get guys who have played around other high-level talent. And so when they step in, they understand, number one, they're maybe a little bit less overwhelmed by just the, the, the step-up in class. Number two, they appreciate, you know, quicker than the average freshman the nuances of other ways to score, or excuse me, other ways to, to impact your team winning. And I think that can be Ja'Kai Newton in, in relatively short order. Now, you know, is that this season, especially because he, he did lose, you know, a decent amount of, um, uh, a decent amount of, of developmental time to his injury and to sort of figuring out, you know, um, his, his path back to full health. We'll see. I think it is really meaningful that he is at least going to be full go by the time he steps on campus. Obviously, maybe he's missed a little bit of developmental time nursing this injury through his senior year, but at very least, you know, it seems like from day one he's going to be pretty much full bore in college. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't know how big his role is as a freshman, but, um, you know, if, if he persists and get, gets better at the level that I think he can, and in a place where, listen, it's a two-year sample size, so let's not – go crazy, but um, Indiana's had a lot of success. Think about how much better Jalen Hichifino got in his one year. Think about how much better Trey Galloway's gotten in the last couple of years. Even a player like Xavier Johnson, as experienced as he already was, has gotten better since he came to Indiana. I think Ja'Kai Newton can be a player that, that Indiana fans um, come to appreciate in a lot of different ways relatively quickly, whether that's as a freshman or, or maybe it's a little bit further on, but um, he's a, I, I just, I think he's going to be a very good player in college. I think he has potential thing. Zach, one other quick basketball question, and then we'll get into something from the text line and wrap up for today. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, after his good week in Chicago, both the NBA draft combine, and then he worked out for another event and a number of coaches over the weekend. Is he second round or could he slip into the first round? A lot of positive remarks out there about him right now. I mean, he was already a player who um, I think some people thought could slide into the back end of the first round, you know, particularly because when you remember the sorts of teams that are drafting at the end of the first round, a lot of the time they're teams that aren't looking for, you know, huge impact. And, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a player at the back end of the first round that, that you can project out a little bit more. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a Hawks fan, so I think about Hawks players, but like, I think the Hawks took Boris Diaw for the back end of the first round. He obviously wound up after several years becoming a really good player in the NBA. Um, you know, obviously you can kind of hit the lottery with a guy like Tony Parker, who I think was taken in the team, but wasn't a lottery pick. Um, forgive me for mixing my metaphors with reality there, but <laughs> with Chase Jackson Davis, I think if, if you're a team that's already got a roster built to win, I could see the appeal of a player that has a really high floor in some, some really key areas, defensively rebounding defensive presence, his ability to move in space for a big man, both offensively and defensively. That's such an important thing in the NBA. And I'm not trying to turn this into an IU Purdue thing, but like the same thing that might hold Zach Eady in college in terms of his, just his, his basically his, his ability to move in space. Um, is the sort of thing that might actually stand Trace Jackson Davis in better stead in the NBA because he can 
he is so fluid and athletic and his footwork is so good. Um, he's a he's great around the rim and that sounds simplistic, but like think about the number of times he caught tough lobs um, this season, lobs that weren't perfect. Now put him on a team with maybe a good point guard where those lobs are going to be a lot better, a lot more consistent. And suddenly you've got a team that maybe looks at him and says, hey, two, three years down the line, especially if we can develop a jump shot, this guy could be a really meaningful sort of rotation piece for us. Um, I think he was already kind of in that area, and he did seem to have a really good combine. And, and he did seem to just sort of test well, to play well. And I come back to the other piece of this that we've discussed for so long, the, the issues around jump shooting, his offense, getting away from the rim. We said forever – you know, why is he not doing that in college? Well, you know, over and over again, he would tell us, it's because my team needs me to do something else. And people would say, well, that's great, but we want to see you shoot some threes. And it's sort of like, then he gets up to the combine and he makes some threes and everybody says, why weren't you doing this in college? And he gives the same answer. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, I think there's a the little bit of that too. And the reminder that there's more space to grow that stuff in the pros. You spend half a season in the G League, you can take six jumpers a game. Because ultimately, yes, you're trying to win games and be competitive, but the G League is much more about development. You can't take – Trace Jackson Davis is getting 18 shots a night in college. Six of them can't be jumpers. You know, he, he just – he can't – he knows that his team needs something else from him there. Um, so I think he was already kind of a high floor prospect to begin with. Having a good combine, maybe participating in as much of it as he did, I think really helped him. And, and I wouldn't be shocked, you know, frankly, to see him um, – to see him up a level – so to speak, uh, maybe in, in terms of his draft stock here in the next few weeks. All right, good stuff. One final question for you. This is from the Thornton's text line. Texter says, do you know if the off sports, such as softball and baseball, are seeing the dividends of NIL? Um, is there any relation there? I, I'm not sure. Maybe an earlier point I made in the first segment, but I thought I would point the, or point the question to you. Are baseball, softball players at Indiana, especially with some of the good seasons they've had, are they benefiting off of NIL at any level, uh, anywhere close to basketball, or is it just completely different? Do you know? Uh, I mean, there's certainly, and this is probably true of a lot of places, they're certainly not benefiting to the level that your best basketball players are, men's or women's, your best football players are. I mean, you know, I mean, every, every member of the men's basketball team has at least one publicly acknowledged NIL deal, probably multiple, if we if we really sat down and, and counted them all up. Um, and so when you talk about your non-revenue sports, you're not going to see as much there. But I, what I would say in this regard, and this is not me attempting to sort of, um, you know, blow sunshine anywhere it doesn't belong, but um, there, has, there has been a, a concerted effort from on the, the, the Hoosiers for Good, Hoosiers Connect, sort of joint collective, the Hoosiers for Good side is the charity side. The Hoosiers Connect side is more of the business engagement side. Um, there has been a a real sort of emphasis on making sure that multiple programs are represented. And as we're sitting here talking, I'm just firing from the hip. I can tell you that like men's and women's soccer, multiple athletes have received NIL deals through Hoosiers for Good. Um, track and field, men's and women's swimming and diving, as you'd expect, volleyball, water polo. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the, the full list. But the point is, 
there has been an emphasis from the beginning, and this was stated before those collectives started operating, and based on the way they have, you know, the classes they've announced and things like that, they have held true to this. There has been an emphasis on not just being there to serve football and men's and women's basketball. And obviously, you know, it's easy to sort of pay lip service and say this stuff up front, but it's also worth saying you don't have to go very far afield to find schools and athletic departments that have not been able to achieve this balance. Penn State, um, I think when Micah Shrewsbury left for Notre Dame, there was some, some pretty public sort of bickering between sort of different, you know, d- different people trying to set up these collectives and these sorts of opportunities for athletes around, you know, should football be first? Should there be other opportunities? You know, how do we get all boats to rise and that sort of thing? Um, Indiana has not, there has not been any sort of outwardly perceived, at least that I, and I, I probably is, I would like to think is plugged in on this. It's just about anybody outside the athletic department, outside the, the, the athletic programs themselves. There has not been any real outward sort of dysfunction around people feeling like, you know, the whole department is not getting some opportunity. So there will always be some inequity there. Basketball, football, these are just bigger, more popular, more forward-facing sports. Um, but it does seem like Indiana, the, the official collectives in particular that they've worked with, the Hoosiers for Good and Hoosiers Connect joint collective, um, have really made it an effort to to give opportunities to, to the non-revenue sport athletes as well. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach is with us Mondays on the program for the latest with IU. Zach, as always, thanks for the chat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Zach Osterman with us Mondays on the show. want to remind you the Big X Sports Radio golf cart is now available. Uh, supplies are limited, and we've had this deal up for a while now. This year's course features Park Mammoth down in Park City, Kentucky, Old Capitol, Elk Run, Valley View, Wooded View, and Christmas Lake. Those are all Southern Indiana courses. You can play these great courses for under $25 a round using the 2023 Big X Sports Radio golf card. You can buy one today at BigXSportsRadio.com, or you can call 812-725-1457. We've got high school baseball coming up on Wednesday, so show on Tuesday. No show Wednesday because of bats baseball during the day, but we do have two high school baseball games on Wednesday night. Of course, back with the show on Thursday and Friday. Then we head into Memorial Day weekend. Depending on how the brackets work out and the local teams that win at the 4A sectional at New Albany will return for either one or two of those games on Saturday. And we plan to be back for a championship game on Memorial Day. Big holiday weekend of high school baseball. A lot of fun this time of year. And we'll be at New Albany to begin our coverage of postseason baseball here in Clark and Floyd counties. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. Sorry for the tech problems early, caused us to get on late, but we will be back with you with the normal show tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison and you'll find us there. That wraps things up for today. Talk with you Tuesday. It's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.